Job 8. Then Bildad and the Shuhite replied, How long you will say such things? Your words are a blustering wind. Does God pervert justice? Does the Almighty pervert what is right? When your children sinned against him, he gave them over to the penalty of their sin. But if you will seek God earnestly and plead with the Almighty, if you are pure and upright, even now he will rouse himself on your behalf and restore you to your prosperous state. Your beginnings will seem humble, so prosperous will your future be. Ask for the former generations and find out what their ancestors learned. For we were born only yesterday and know nothing, and our days on earth are but a shadow. Will they not instruct you and tell you? Will they not bring forth words from their understanding? Can papyrus grow tall where there is no marsh? Can reeds thrive through, uh, without water? While still growing and uncut, they wither more quickly than grass. Such is the destiny of all who forget God. So perishes the hope of the godless. What they trust in is fragile. What they rely on is a spider's web. They lean on the web, but it gives way. They cling to it, but it does not hold. They are like a well-watered plant in the sunshine, spreading its shoots over the garden. It unwinds its roots round a pile of rocks and looks for a place among the stones. But when it torn from its spot, that place disowns it and says, I never saw you. Surely its life withers away, and from the soil other plants grow. Surely God does not reject one who is blameless, or strengthen the hands of evildoers. He will yet fill your mouth with laughter and your lips with shouts of joy. Your enemies will be clothed in shame, and the tents of the wicked will be no more. Then Job replied, Indeed, I know that this is true, but how can mere mortals prove their innocence before God? Though they wish to dispute with Him, they could not answer Him once in a thousand times. His wisdom is profound. His power is vast. Who has resisted him and come out unscathed? He moves mountains without their knowing it and overturns them in his anger. He shakes the earth from its place and makes its pillars tremble. He speaks to the sun and it does not shine. He seals off the light of the stars. He alone stretches out the heavens and treads on the waves of the sea. He is the maker of the bear and Orion, the Pleiades and the constellations of the south. He performs wonders that cannot be fathomed, miracles that cannot be counted. When he passes me, I cannot see him. When he goes by, I cannot perceive him. If he snatches away, 
Who can stop him? Who can say to him, what are you doing? This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. Good to see you. Uh, my name is Paul. If we've not uh, spoken before, we're going to look at this bit of Job. We're in a series looking at uh, this particular book. Um, and uh, can I add my own welcome to, to you folks and uh, friends and family here this morning as well who are visiting and anyone else who might be here for the first time. Um, we are talking this morning about cold comfort. Cold comfort. Um, some months ago, uh, we, um, uh, a pastor from Ukraine... Um, called uh, Roman, uh, uh, was with us, um, uh, dad of one of our congregation members, uh, who I can see. Um, And uh, he came, um, uh, he was here, and I was able to interview him, and we heard um, from uh, his experience of uh, the war and what has been happening. Um, They are um, in the um, western part of Ukraine, and they're they're doing an awful lot to help those who are uh, fleeing the the fighting and have been, and they've been doing a lot to get aid out uh, to those who are coming to them in a great amount of need. Um, And he talked uh, very eloquently about um, his experience, and I was able to ask him about his Christian perspective on it, Um, and he's written about this as well. Um, And he explained that when the war began, a number of Christian uh, friends around the world Uh, came very quickly to them to say, well, you need to forgive Russian Christians. Uh, You really need to forgive those uh, um, perhaps who you, uh, you know, are are finding it difficult to at the moment. And they came in very quickly, uh, told him this, that 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 was what they felt they uh, they should hear. And he said, it was painfully untimely. It was painfully untimely. It was cold comfort. To have somebody to come in and say that. Why was it such cold comfort? Well, because he, he said, look, they really weren't taking into account the situation that these Christians were in, that the people were in, that, that uh, the Christians there in Ukraine and what they were facing, the challenge, the, the trauma they were dealing with, with uh, the war unfolding, uh, the sense of invasion from an enemy force. They weren't, they weren't really taking into account the reality of what it was like to be there and to face that. It was painfully untimely. It was cold comfort. And we're looking at uh, Job's comforters, uh, as they're called. And um, we've, we, in, if you've not been with us for the past couple of weeks, we started and we, we began looking at the book of Job and seeing how actually the, the book really presents a very complex view of suffering, much more nuanced perhaps than we might think the Bible has. It's complex, it's quite sophisticated, it rejects shallow views and reasons for suffering. And then Tim got us last week as we were looking at Job uh, 3 in particular, just to to show us how the Bible pauses and says, look, we need to sit with Job in his despair. Actually, one of the things not to do is to rush on, but to sit with Job in his, uh, his despair and his uh, trauma that he is facing, and actually to, to hear his lament. And then we get into a long stretch of chapters, as Pete was saying, where there's a cycle of conversations that go on between Job's comforters and, and Job. And uh, as they go through, there's... Uh, uh, really, we're, we're going to take this passage as like a, a window, a representative example, because we can't, can't spend the next uh, uh, sort of 10 weeks looking at it. But we'll, we'll take this as an example of, of the kinds of things that we see in them, what it is they do, some of the mistakes they make, perhaps reflect on our own as well. And we're going to think about three things. Then. We're going to think about why is this cold comfort for Job? 
Uh, We'll think about why it's cold comfort. We'll think about what is the comfort that Job does need. And then we'll ask ourselves how you get true comfort. So why is it cold comfort? Let me read um, uh, what Bildad, this particular speaker, um, says to Job. He says, the opening, how long will you say such things? Your words are a blustering wind. Does God pervert justice? Does the Almighty pervert what is right? When your children sinned against him, he gave them over to the penalty of their sin. But if you'll seek God earnestly and plead with the Almighty, if you're pure and upright, even now he will rouse himself on your behalf and restore you to your prosperous state. Your beginnings will seem humble, so prosperous will your future be. Ask the former generations, find out what their ancestors learned. For we were only born yesterday and know nothing, and our days on earth are but a shadow. Now, as they arrive, I'm going to use three sort of phrases, images to kind of hook as hooks for us to understand. What do you see? If you, if you get some time to read through some of these speeches, what do we see? Time and time again, you'll see these three things, and there are examples of them here. Um, gaps, gears, and guns are my three uh, little phrases, just the hooks for you, really, to, uh, to help process some of this. What is it that, that, why is it such cold comfort? The first thing is gaps. The fact that they come to him, and they frequently, and you see this all the way through, they talk at him, not with him. They talk at him, not with him. There's this gap between them. So when they come along and they, the, the kind of response, the opening response is very typical. They come in and they, they chastise him. They, they have a go at him. So this kind of, the tone of it, verse 5, if you'll seek God earnestly, plead with him. If you're pure and upright, if you do this, if you do that, if you do this, there's this mental gap between them and him. Or when they say, ask the, ask the former generations, Uh, Find out what their ancestors learned. Um, He says, will they not instruct you and tell you? Will they not bring forth words from their understanding? So if you do this, but let's ask some of the the ancients we know. They'll tell you what to do. There's this gap. Job, you're there. The ancients are over here. Seek out some of their wisdom. It's as though Job is here, sitting in the middle in in his suffering and his pain. And they are like, have you you ever go to the zoo where you... You kind of just you sort of peer at the, uh, the creature and you have a look at it and you, so you get some fun and then you move on to the next thing. They're, it's like they are these visitors and Job is an animal and they've come to just kind of see. There's this mental gap between where he is and where they are. They talk at him, not with him. Um, they, they move too quickly through theological gears. They move too quickly through theological gears. Let me explain what I mean. They, they have, um, you see this time and time again, they've actually got a very simple worldview. Now, not everything that they say is wrong, but they have a very simple sort of structure to the way they think, uh, Job's comforters. Um, it's that the bad get judgment, the good get blessing. The bad get judgment, the good get blessing. So, for example, verse 4 and 5, they kind of launch in with this, when your children sinned against him, he gave them over to the penalty of their sin. Um, so they've done wrong, so this has happened. Um, or later on, uh, down in verse 13, he talks uh, about the destiny of all those who forget God. And he has this picture of a plant uh, which can't grow because it's, a bad, it's, it's not sort of being nourished, it's been cut off, it'll wither, it'll die. It's a bad plant, so it'll, be, it'll die. That's what happens if you forget God. If you're godless, you perish. If you're bad, bad things happen. If you're good, you get blessed. So uh, by contrast, um, if you're pure and upright, 
God will act on your behalf, and in fact, he'll, you know, he'll, he'll so wonderfully bless you, you'll think the beginning was humble, uh, the situation you're in. So there's this, this sort of simple system. Uh, later on, verse uh, 20, surely God doesn't reject those who are blameless. Uh, if you're doing well, God will bless you. It's a very simple system. Now, not everything is wrong in it. We do have a God who is a judge. We do have a moral universe. We are accountable to him. These things are realities. And in one sense, not everything is wrong. But can you see, Job is here, and they are moving through the theological gears so quickly. In they come. Job, we can diagnose this, no problem. To say, to, to launch in as quickly as they do, well, it's probably your children, they've sinned. So this is happening to you now. That's quite a play. You've gone from naught to 60 faster than the Grand Prix cars could this morning. Moving through theological gears. So some of what they've got is right, but actually, do you see how tonally inappropriate, how bad it is? For them, it sits kind of, this has happened to you, Job, so you need to repent. If you repent, good things will happen. Boom. Done. Now, we might see that, and if you read through the chapters, you might, you'll, you'll pick it up. It really kind of becomes a theme. But you might see that and think, well, that's really crass. And thank goodness we would never do that. Um, but I wonder, and I've reflected on myself, just as when we come alongside people, one of the most painful things can be if we are moving through theological gears ourselves too quickly. We may not think we're going to. I wonder if ever you found yourself saying, well, perhaps in the Lord's kindness... This is a mercy. We come alongside somebody and we're not quite sure what to say. And actually in the, in the, in the anxiety we have to sit with people and in the, the feeling that we, this is perhaps difficult and awkward, we reach very quickly for the next gear. And we can see it, it's there. Well, maybe this, will be, maybe this will be a mercy in the end. Now, it may be. Maybe the Lord is going to use this to bring about some good in somebody's life. Maybe it is a kindness, ultimately, but we're not there yet. And to move through those gears, perhaps because we fear, Tim talked about this last week, we fear what it might be bringing up in us. We fear our sense that actually to sit with somebody who is suffering. So we see it and we reach for it because it's our easy way out. Can you see how this is just, it's cold comfort. Gaps, gears, uh, and guns. Um, how's this to do with guns? There's a theologian um, called A.W. Tozer, and he wrote this, American theologian. You can be as straight as a gun barrel theologically and as empty as one spiritually. Uh, he's got in his mind a, a, a sort of rifle. Um, you think about a rifle gun barrel needs to be straight for it to work. Absolutely, it has to be perfectly straight. It says you can be absolutely perfectly straight and then empty like a gun barrel. And it's deadly. Now, let me give you there's a, a terrific example of this here because this is what uh, Job's comforters are like. And here's a great example. Verse 13, where he's talking about those who forget God and they perish. It says, verse 14, what they trust in is fragile. What they rely on is a spider's web. They lean on the web, but it gives way. They cling to it, but it doesn't hold. Now, this image of a spider's web, it's brilliant. 
It's absolutely brilliant. Theologically, it's absolutely accurate. In fact, it's one of the best sort of images, if you want one, for a picture of the ways in which we try and build a life away from God, the ways in which we try and set our identity and our security, and we try and put it somewhere else, and you might, perhaps you might recognize this. Maybe you're somebody thinking, this is, actually, that's what, I, that's what I'm doing. I'm trying to put my life on something else. And he says, it's like a spider's web. If you try and build your life on that, if you try and live away from God in that way, you will cling to it, and you will push through it, and when a crisis comes, you will find you go absolutely straight through it. It will not hold you. It will not be able to take the fall of what you are going through. And it's a brilliant, brilliant image. It's a perfect image for the idea, of the biblical idea of idolatry, that we, we set our hearts on things that aren't God's. But can you see how Job's sitting amid his suffering? It is tonally completely off. It's absolutely empty of care, spiritually empty. It's absolutely right. It's a true statement. But it's so not what Job needs. And actually, you see this time and time again with Job's friends as they speak and as they, uh, sometimes they, they land on the right kinds of images and the right kinds of things. But they use abstract truth to not have to engage with the person who is in front of them. And I wonder just if, if as you reflect on things yourself, I wonder, as I, I think, when, I, when do I do that? So the thing might be true, but I use that because I'm, I'm actually, I can't bear to deal with the person as they are in their suffering. I can't bear to just to sit with them. And in the complexity, and yes, there may be things that they don't understand. There may be things they're voicing, which I think are wrong, but I, I can't resist but to correct them. I can't resist to put them in the right box that I've got in my mind, the right category I think they're falling into. Gaps, gears, and guns. Those are, those are sort of the patterns of cold comfort that you see, and you can pick them up if you go through, and uh, I encourage you to do that. But what is the, the comfort that Job does, does need? He then responds and voices, and from that we can sense actually what it is he is trying to, to look for and say. So, It comes in, uh, so chapter 9, as he then replies, he says this, Indeed, I know this is true, but how can mere mortals prove their innocence before God? Though they wish to dispute with him, they couldn't answer him once a thousand times. His wisdom is profound, his power is vast. Who's resisted him and come out unscathed? Now he's going to then paint a picture of God, the living God as vast and powerful and somebody he is wrestling with and longing to kind of figure out. So he goes on, he moves mountains without their knowing it. He overturns them in his anger. He shakes the earth from its place and makes its pillars tremble. He speaks to the sun and it doesn't shine. He seals off the light of the stars. He alone stretches out the heavens and treads on the waves of the sea. He's the maker of the bear and Orion, the Pleiades and the constellations of the south. He performs wonders that can't be fathomed, miracles that can't be counted. And then he says, when he passes me, I cannot see him. When he goes by, I can't perceive him. If he snatches away, who can stop him? Who can say to him, what are you doing? Now, Job has this sense of God who is so much greater than he is, and he's struggling in his own mind to to kind of bring him, uh, to, to, to figure out how he can relate to God. Actually, can you hear it in that 
Those, those verses there, when he passes me by, I can't see him. I feel like God is real and alive and I believe in him, but I can't grasp him. I can't figure out exactly where he is in this. But it doesn't fully make sense to me. I know you're there, but I, I, I can't grab hold of you. And that's the voice of somebody who's suffering. And it's the voice of somebody who's saying, look, I'm looking for somebody to come alongside me in my search. Verse 2, when he, uh, when he says, uh, how can mere mortals prove their innocence before God? It's a theme he, he sort of starts, he'll pick up, it'll pick up, and we'll pick it up next week as well. Actually, his sense in which he wants, it's, it's law court language. Um, how could you prove your innocence? We've been told at the start, Job is blameless, he senses that. How does he relate to God then? It's law court language, and it's as if he's saying that I've got this courtroom to go to, and I, I just wish my lawyer was with me. I just wish there was somebody who'd be in the gallery who's there for me, rooting for me. And that's the picture of the comfort that Job is offer, kind of seeking and wanting. He said, look, I just wish there was somebody with me in this search in the darkness, just somebody who would be alongside me and say, do you know, I'm here. Number of years ago, um, uh, I, 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 this, is, this has stayed with me, and it came it came back to me um, in thinking about this. Uh, somebody I knew, um, they uh, uh, she'd lost her mum. Her mum had died, and she was grieving, uh, and they were, and. I kind of weighed up in my mind, and I, I, I thought, should I, should I go and see them or not? And I, I decided I wouldn't go and see them. I thought, to my, I, you go through these things in your mind, if ever you've done this, I think perhaps they, um, they probably need some space. Um, I, I, I might be in the way. I, perhaps I, you know, I'll, I'll, I'll say the wrong thing. And so I didn't go and see them. And it has stayed with me ever since. You know, some, some time later, I think they were, they were sort of, able to say to me, do you know, actually, it would have been really good if you'd just come. And I've thought about that, and th- I regretted, actually, that you, 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 may be, you may know the kind of situation. You turn over in your mind, is it the right thing? I don't want to get in the way. But actually, they would have just appreciated if I'd come. And to somebody who's suffering, we might think, oh, I'll make things worse, and, you know, Job's comfort is here. There are, there are things that we can do that aren't helpful. But actually, to somebody who is suffering, things are already worse. And to come alongside and say, I, just, I see you in that. Actually, I recognize. I'm, I'm just here. Can be a powerful and a good thing. The kind of Job, the comfort Job was, was needed was just somebody who would come along and say, look, I'm with you in this search. I know it's dark. I know you don't know, but I'm with you. I wonder who, just as you are thinking about that, I wonder who perhaps God might be saying to you, who could you move towards to show comfort to? Perhaps it's somebody that you know is suffering and nobody else knows. Who could you move towards? Who could you actually show some comfort to and come alongside and say, do you know, I am just, I'm just here with you. Cold comfort. 
and the comfort that Job needs. Finally then, how do you find true comfort? Because that question, I sense that God is there. Job's, Job's kind of longing. I, I, kind of, I, could, I know he's out there, as it were, but I can't grasp him. And that may actually be the situation that you're in. If you're, if you're trying to figure out faith, if you're trying to work out you know, who, to, who to believe in, and particularly in our, our day and age at the moment with the kind of suffering you see in the world, actually where, where is God, who is God, how do I reach him? Job would say, and I think the Bible will flesh out, that you need somebody who, is, who can truly come alongside you. Roman, the pastor from Ukraine, when he was speaking, uh, and when he's written about this, and he was talking about, you know, he said, uh, actually, this was, it was cold comfort, it was, it was untimely. Uh, it felt like it was, it was the wrong word. Actually, he, he, what he describes then, he uses these words, he says, what people didn't seem to grasp is that where we are right now is in Gethsemane. Where we are, and he's using the biblical image, where we are is in the garden that Jesus was in before he went to the cross. He said where we are is in Gethsemane. We are in the place where Jesus was in agony as he wrestled with what was about to happen. As he said, look, is there any other way that this can, be, this can, be, this can unfold? Lord, what, is, what will it be? And what he looked for in the garden was that his friends might stay with him. Do you remember? He said, look, will you, will you just stay awake with me? And then, of course, they fall asleep. And then later they flee. And that his longing was that they might just have been with him in the garden. And, past, and, and Roman was saying, look, that's, that is what we need. We need, we need to sense that you're, you're with us. And if you are trying to search for God in this world, you need, you, of all, you know, if you think of all the kind of gods you could come up with, you need the gods who has most truly come alongside us, who's left behind the comforts that he could have had in heaven, who's come, who's come and walked the earth, but has, has been in the garden, has known what it is to, to be abandoned by everybody, who knows what it is to, to lack that comfort to experience what it is when people get it wrong, because we, we, we do all get, we will all get this wrong. If you haven't got it wrong at some point, you will. We haven't, we, we do get the wrong thing. We, we say the wrong thing. We will, we will make mistakes. The Bible's picture of us is not that we're working to us to get things right perfectly. Actually, the, the opposite of that. Sin affects all of us. It affects our comfort one, for one another just as much as anything else. And we get that wrong, but we can turn to and look to the one who knows what that is like. Jesus, who in the garden knew what it was to be abandoned, and yet said, it is for this reason that I've come. I will go to the cross. I will, I will begin to reverse this situation. I will pay the, the price for that, and will begin to unravel and rework humanity, so that in, in him we might then start to go, okay, I can begin to see what comfort might look like. I will get it wrong, but I will look to him and his example and what he's done for me. And if you are trying to figure out God in this world, this is the place to go looking. Anything else will be cold comforts. By the one who walks that path of suffering, that path of isolation, and knows what it is like for the very purpose that we might begin to change the way that we are with one another and we can relate to God. 
I'm going to stop and we're going to pray and I'm just going to give you a moment just perhaps to bring to mind somebody. Who could you move towards? Who perhaps needs your comfort? Who might you come alongside just to say, look, I see you and I'm with you. So let's pray and then we'll finish. Father, we bring, we just bring people to minds now. And Lord, we do get this wrong, and we, we, we're not always the best comforters. But we pray we would move towards people, and as we do so, we would be reminded of your facing that abandonment, that isolation, that actually you know what this is like, and we would look to you, and it would just encourage us as we move towards others to point them to the comfort that we know, Lord, that you bring and the restoration, Lord, that one day will be ours. Father, we pray that we would sit with people in their suffering and their grief and we would hold, be willing to hold that. Pray in Jesus' name. Amen.